Hello, animation friends, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode... I have no idea what episode is this. This is episode... Wait for it... 37. Okay. Episode 37. And you're listening to episode 37. Uh, We've got a great guest for you here on this podcast. We have David Gibson. He has over 12 years experience in the industry, working in multiple different areas, uh, VFX, feature to video games. He'll be teaching in our creature workshop starting in July here, our next term. And once you check out his reel, which we'll have a link to in our, our show notes here, You'll see why he's he's one of our creature instructors. Amazing reel. I recently worked on uh, Evolve and finishing up over there with Turtle Rock. Just some really slick creature work. So very cool stuff. And I'm looking forward to speaking with him about his career, how he approaches uh, creature work, and just what excites him about this stuff. So let's bring him on. Well, nice to meet you, Dave. David or Dave? Nice to meet you, too. Uh, either one. It doesn't really matter. I, I tend to do Dave just because it seems... A little more casual you know like when i don't want to be so professional yeah yeah okay well we can uh get a mix of professional and uh casual on this podcast so sure well dave i appreciate you taking the time to jump on this podcast with us it's always great getting good guests in here like this i was looking at your bio 12 years in the industry so looking forward to a nice chat with you and, and hearing what uh insight you can give our students and professionals here who listen to the podcast so well, thank you, Larry. It's, it's great to be here. And you're an instructor here at iAnimate in our Creatures program. Yes. So we'll get a little extra insight there, too. So first, um, I always like kind of getting, I guess, the, the person behind the resume here. So if you don't mind kind of just jumping in, letting us know how you got into animation, kind of your career path, and uh, where you're, what you've worked on and where you're at now. Sure. Um, I think it all started back probably middle school and growing up in Florida. We took a trip to MGM Studios there at Disney and got to see a lot of the animators in there. I think they were sort of like, maybe not the real animators. They were kind of on a stage. So you, so the tourists could come in and see them doing stuff, but that just caught my imagination. I was like, wow, that could be a job. Like that's a job. Like you can do that. And uh, so that coupled with seeing Jurassic Park, (laughs) those, I just, I was like, I I think I need that. You know, like if, if someone is actually going to pay me to sit and make cool stuff like that, whether it be Jurassic Park or like at the Mulan or Aladdin or something like that, no way. And then Toy Story was coming out and that kind of stuff was happening. And this was back in the um, mid to early 90s. Right, right. And so a lot of this really cool new stuff was, was happening. And um, I'd never really taken an art class. I was super into music. I played the cello and... I was taking like private lessons and in youth orchestras and, and things like that. And I, I was kind of good at it. And I kind of thought like, okay, well that's, this is what I'm going to do. I guess I'll, I guess I'll just be a professional cellist or something. And, but there was just something missing. Like I, I could just tell deep down, like I'm, I'm going to lose the passion for it. If I have to practice 12 hours a day to learn pieces and then go perform. And I, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on this animation thing. And then that's when I realized, that, wait a second, there's an art school down the street from me in Sarasota, Florida. And that's where Ringling is. Oh, yes, yes, and, yes. Yeah. And and I I was like, wait a second. Let me see what this is about. So I applied and I actually didn't make it the first year mm. that I applied. So I got waitlisted. So 
I think I worked like four jobs that year, (laughs) (laughs) which was the greatest motivation to make sure I went back to school uh, between high school and college. And then I I actually got in the next year, but but I was waitlisted. I I wasn't like a shoe in or anything. Did you have to practice on some of your portfolio before that time or was you uh, just on this waitlisted and you're going to get in? Yeah, they they place a, a heavy emphasis on traditional stuff, you know, observation, life drawing. So I, I put together a, a better portfolio on my second application, but I was still waitlisted there. And at that point, um, at that time, they were only taking 45 students hmm. a year. So it's pretty pretty tight when you're getting hundreds of people applying. I think I was waitlisted like number 20 or something like that. So for whatever reason, I, I you know, I got in the second try. And, um, and then I did that for four years. And I, again, it was, I, you know, I was never the best. You know, I was never that guy that, you know, was had the best animation or anything like that. Most of the time while we were animating, I kind of didn't even know what I was doing. I was just sort of pushing buttons. I mean, I kind of got it, but it's, it's a, when you're trying to learn the software from nothing, that that's such a barrier. Mm. So, um, I felt like those, those four years, it was so much more about learning like, Oh, okay. So this is, this is what a curve is. This is what a graph editor does. Or, you know, like I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, then you do your uh, senior thesis um, the fourth year, and then towards the end of the year, companies start to come to recruit. And my friends and my other classmates are getting interviews, you know, to, to go talk to um, different companies like Sony and Disney and Pixar and Electronic Arts and stuff were coming. And, um, you know, I, I got a couple, but they didn't really turn into anything. And then... I, this, this is, I've never told anyone this. This is such a (laughs) crazy story. (laughs) So I get called down to have, um, an interview for electronic arts. And that was, that became my first job. And I go down and I sort of talk with like the recruiter and they look at my portfolio and stuff. And then, and, and it kind of goes in in two, two sort of phases. They, They call you down, they kind of talk to you. And they look over your work and then they send you back, you know, like they send you back to your classroom or whatever. And then if you get a second call back, that's usually when they make an offer. And, you know, we all go back to the lab where we're all animating and working on stuff for class. And, and then it, you'll get like a ping or your phone will ring or something. And so people would, where we're like jumping up and running back down to go for their second interview. And I'm like, well, it's not going to happen for me. It's, it's okay. You know, I'm happy for my friends. I'll just keep working. <laughs> you know, something will happen. Right. And then my phone rings and they're like, they, they want you to come back down. And so I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. So I go down and I walk into this room and there's gotta be like 20 other students in the room and there's no real order to it or anything. We're all just kind of hanging out in this one room. And this guy just poked his head. I'm just kind of standing near the door because I just walked in. And this guy pokes his head in and he's like, uh, Dave is, you know, is Dave, where's, is Dave in here? And I'm standing there. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's me. I was like, oh, come with me, Dave. It's great to meet you. And it's a guy I hadn't talked to yet. And he takes me down the hall to this room and he, he makes me an offer for a job as a texture artist. Mm. And, and the whole time I, I'm on this roller coaster, right? Because here I am getting offered a job after four years of working like crazy. And I, and I'm, and he's saying money things and he's saying stock <laughs> options and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is, this is so amazing. And, but it's a texture artist. Yeah. I was like, what is this about? 
so I'm not, so I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm so nervous and I don't know what's happening. And he makes me this offer and, um, I go, I, I take the offer letter and I go back to my desk and I, I come back in and all my, all my friends are like, Dave, what happened? You know, what is it? What was the offer? This and that. And I was like, it's, it's for a texture artist. And they were like, well, I mean, some of the textures you made were, were kind of good. Maybe that's why. And I'm like, guys, I'm so confused. You know, I'm like, <laughs> well, maybe I do that. Maybe I'll take this. This will be like, uh, you know, I'll get my foot in the door. Right. right yeah. And, uh, and then a buddy of mine goes, do you mind if I look at the, at the offer letter? And I was like, no, here you go. I'm so confused. I, I you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, uh, and he goes, this, this got another person's name on it. <laughs> this <laughs> It's for Dave, this other guy's name. And I'm like, no way. So it was for this illustrator, this other person that they were going to offer this job to. I'm like, oh. no, this is impossible. Like, okay, I got to go back down there. This makes so much sense now. I got to go back down there and give them this piece of paper. Obviously, they meant to make me an offer as an animator, right? So I go back down there and I give the piece of paper to like the student, uh, student life people, right? And I'm like, ah, they made a mistake, you know? And they're like, oh, oh they're freaking out, right? They go, they go get the AA people and they're freaking out. And I see them go grab the real Dave that they were going to make the offer to. And they go make the offer to him. Texture artist. And then I find out, then, yeah, then I find out they only called me down to come pick up my stuff because they weren't going to make me an offer. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm just on this roller coaster. This day was just like all over the place. And I'm like, it's okay. Give me my stuff. I'll, I'll go back to work. Like this is the weirdest day. And, uh, you know, no hard feelings. And I leave. And then they call me again. They call me to come back down. So I go back down. And it's like the art director wanted to meet me. And they wanted to apologize. And they just kind of wanted to talk to me about it. Now, I don't know if there's like some legal snafu going on or this is like a bad thing that happened but i was fine with it i was like you know that's just honest honest mistake right you know? yeah it is what it is and yeah and uh and so we chatted for about like 10 more minutes and they were kind of flipping through my portfolio a little bit and just kind of chatting me up and stuff and you know i, I tried to just stay kind of cool about it and not i was super confused right and like i didn't know what to do but i was just like i just got to you know, I'm happy for that guy that he got a job offer. They're not going to make me an offer. So I'm kind of bummed. But at the same time, this is fine. Something will happen. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of the attitude I had that whole time. And uh, then they were like, well, go, go back outside. We want to talk for a little bit. If you can just stay, you know, just go outside for a minute and, you know, we'll come grab you in a second. So they chat for a little bit and then they, they, they come out and they grab me and I go back in and they're like, well, so we, we actually do want to make you an offer. This is the same company? Like, yeah, it's the same company. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, well, just because of how you handled this whole situation, you know, you, you, you just were really professional about it. Wow. And you were you were more happy for the other guy that got an offer than for you getting, you know, super screwed over and confused <laughs> in this whole mess. And they're like, we really like that. And, and you know, we do like your work and, and we're going to actually make a position for you if, you if you'd like to accept it and stuff. And and the whole time, I'm I have these mixed feelings. I'm like, this is amazing and this is such a pity hire like that's what i'm thinking i'm like these guys are just hiring me out of pity and i'm like what do i do what do i do with this and so before I, you know before i made any decisions or anything i was like okay well, i gotta sleep on this i gotta you know go talk to my friends and talk to my parents and be like what do you think about this situation and so 
basically what happened was um, I didn't get any other offers from anyone else. And so I was like, well, a pity offer is better better than no offer. No offer. And I've got student loans to start paying off. So I better take it. (laughs) So that's how I landed my first job. Completely out of pity. Hey, character. Character counts for a long ways. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so was this for games, uh, TV? Yeah. So that was for, uh, that was the other thing too. It was for, it was, it was for Madden, uh, at electronic arts okay. in Florida. And it was, it was mainly just mocap cleanup. And at the time, you know, I was kind of bummed. Oh, wait, I, I wait, I'm, I'm supposed to go to like Pixar and, and, you know, animate on movies. And stuff. <laughs> but, uh, again, like I, I learned so much. I was there for a year and I learned so much just about, the production side of things, but also that entire year, I just lived in the graph editor. All I'm doing is importing motion, cleaning it, watching, looking that. at it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm learning like what it means to, to sort of watch what the Y curve is doing for translate. And I'm looking at how this guy is bouncing too much or something, you know? And, uh, so I learned a ton That's awesome. that year. Um, but I still couldn't shake like, and I, and I love video games. And, you know, I, I tried to get into Madden. It just doesn't do it for me. But, um, you know, I'd play Madden. I was playing tons of video games that year, <clears throat> but I still couldn't shake. Like, I need to I need to become a better animator, and I don't think that's going to happen, you know, doing this just doing right that. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just doing the mocap, just working on Madden, and I need to go somewhere where I'm going to really be just doing animation all day long. And then that's when um, Tippett Studio called me. Mm. And they're up in Berkeley, up in the Bay Area. <clears throat> and they were like, well, we want to, you know, we want you to come animate Templeton the Rat for Charlotte's Web. And I was like, that's it. And I love Tippett because it's like all monsters and, you know, gross stuff and demons and, <laughs> and things like that. Like they did Hellboy and they did all the old like Robocop stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just, and Starship Troopers, like that stuff is so awesome <laughs> and so like the you know and also they worked on jurassic park right so there's a there's a part of me that's like yeah that is that's a place i want to go i want to meet these people i want to talk to these people because you know you guys have done the things that like really inspired me now how did they get a hold of you did you have a demo reel app <clears> at that time or you're still working so actually okay so that um <laughs> i kind of skimmed over that they came to ringling as well mm. and they this now now looking back on it so much of of all of this is just total stupid luck but they came to interview people after graduation just for whatever their schedules or however they worked it out they couldn't get to ringling until after graduation Mm. so a lot of the class didn't submit their stuff because they had already gone home Uh. and you know, luckily I was from Sarasota and I was still there. And I'm like, well, sure, I'm going to submit my stuff. And so maybe just because, you know, the other really good guys had already gone and gotten their, taken their offers, you know, at Sony or, you know, wherever they went. So I got kind of lucky, you know, they, they wanted to interview me and I, and I got talking to them and Don Howe and Todd Labonte were the, were the two guys that came. Todd was the anim soup there and Don was the animation manager there and just the most down to earth, nicest people I've That's ever cool. met. Right on. And, and I, and I just was like, ah, oh, I want to keep in touch with these guys, you know, like the, just so, so genuine. And they told me, they were like, we really like your stuff. You know, you, 
in my thesis, I did like something that kind of had like a monster kind of thing in it. And they're like, we never see that, you know, so so we really like that. We always see like people, it looks like their reels are for Pixar. You know, we don't see a lot of people whose reels are for us, you know, and and uh, I was like, this is awesome. So so I'm sitting there thinking like, OK, these guys are going to make me an offer and I, then I won't take the EA offer. Right. And they're they're like, but unfortunately, you know, we're not going to be ready to hire for like a year because Charlotte's just got pushed. We were supposed mm-hmm. to go into production, which is why we came, but now that got pushed. And so we need, um, we need a little bit more time. And so I remember in the interview with them, I asked them, I said, well, what do you think I should do? I really want to work for you guys, but I have this offer for electronic arts. <clears throat> and that what's funny is I worked with them for like four and a half years after that, once, once I got to know them and they, they told me that they didn't know how to answer that. They were just sort of like, was this guy telling us he's got another offer? Like, what's he think he's some big shot or something? And I was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. I was like, genuinely, I didn't know what to do. You guys like, you know, hey, was, don't, don't pass this up here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell them that it was a total pity offer until, <laughs> until later on, you know, after I got to know them really well. Um, so yeah, so I had met them there and they had gotten all my information and they had my reel and then they hit me up a year later and they just, they actually asked if I had done, if I had any new work and I had been working on a lot of more, uh, you know, sort of acting lip sync kind of stuff. I didn't have very good examples from school of of that kind of stuff. And so I was like, yeah, here's some, here's some stuff I've done kind of on the weekends, you know, just to you know, in between all the mocap I do during the week. And, uh, they're like, this is great. Yeah. We want to fly you out. We want, you know, see, come see the studio, check it out. And then they made me an offer. And, and so went out there. That's a nice big jump from yeah, doing the mocap that was, to a full feature like that. And that was, um, you know, someone asked me recently, like, Oh, where'd you learn to animate? And it's like, you know, I went to Ringling and I, I think I learned a lot about animation and I learned a lot about, um, you know, working with people and and one of the big things I learned at Ringling was just how to take a critique and how to give a critique, uh, which I think is almost as important as your animation skills. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more important than if you can actually animate. Um, but I I feel like I learned to animate a tippet, to be honest. Like those guys threw me into the deep end, and they were there to help me swim, but they were letting me sink for a while and. <laughs> That's that's what I needed, you know. They were like, "Here's a shot. It's going to be in a movie. Figure it out." Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you know, some of the some of the best animators I've ever worked with were sitting right around me, and I could just ask them for help or pick their brains or see what they were doing and kind of learn from them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was an awesome experience <laughs> working there. And what's funny too is I was thinking like, okay, well, we'll do this one. Um, you know, we'll do this cute talking rat movie right like but this is tippet so i'm gonna do some monsters or demons or dinosaurs or something the next movie right and then uh and then the next movie they landed was enchanted (laughs) so i'm doing a cute chipmunk and i did get to do a couple dragon shots Uh but still it was like kind of like disney-fied it wasn't really like constantine or hellboy kind of (laughs) you know stuff and uh so then after that, they landed Cloverfield. And I'm like, oh, sweet. This is, this is like the monster movie of the decade. Like, this is going to be so awesome. And then they're like, no, 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 Dave. We don't want you to, we don't want you on that show. 
we have another cute talking animal show that we want you to go. <laughs> to. Was that uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua? And that was Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's like um, you know, cute cute talking animals paid the bills for many years. You know, so I I don't. I certainly, uh, you know, appreciate it. Animation uh, is animation, but when you go from something you, like monsters where you're wanting to do it, and they're, they move you to Chihuahuas. That's a that's a bit different yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Beverly Hills Chihuahua again was a rat and an, like an iguana, <laughs> and they were kind of like a Cheech and Chong kind of like duo. So it was like even farther from cool monsters and demons as it could go. <laughs> but I think what I found, like what I kind of learned from that though, is like as much as I wanted to do you know, gross, scary monsters and, and stuff like that. Uh, I was kind of being told like, you know, you're, you're good at this stuff over here. You're good at this, you know, acting and, and kind of like appealing motion and personality that you're giving to these cute characters. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking like, Ooh, I want to do scary stuff. I'm a guy and I like monsters and movies and things like that. And they're like, no, but you're actually good at this. So can you just keep doing this for us? Uh-huh. Um, and which, which I really appreciate because, uh, you, you know, I think that's, that's a skill that's, that's tricky to, to kind of master, mm-hmm. but so is, you know, big, scary, you know, gnarly things too. Right. right. Um, is that important though too? Like, you know, what I'm kind of getting from you too, is to be able to, um, take what you get and to be able to go, okay, how can I, how can I invest into this and obviously put my best performance forward, but also what can I take from this in regards to a learning experience? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there were, you know, there, even on a, on a show like, um, you know, Enchanted or, or, or Beverly Hills Chihuahua, you'd, you'd still get shots that were, you know, action or, or physical. Uh, they weren't all just like cute talking or, or cuddling or something. So in those, no matter what the shot was, I was still trying to push it. And I was mm-hmm. still trying to like uh, learn as much as I could from it. And yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I didn't mind it at all. One, one, of the, one of the greatest memories I have of working on Enchanted was there's this great, um, the, the movie's bookended by this great 2D animated sequence that was done by James Baxter. Mm-hmm. And we got to, while we were working on the film, we got to see all the pencil tests that Mm, they were doing That's cool. before it was like fully done and colored. But what was great was they were doing Pip, the chipmunk in that studio as well. And it's, it's something that when you're working on a, on a 3d character and a 3d mesh with polygons and a, and a, and a, and a rig that only can stretch so far and that kind of stuff, you, you kind of hold back a little bit. But once I started to see what James Baxter was doing with him <laughs> and like how much they were squashing him and like how quick his takes were and, and just like how extreme they were going with them. And it was still totally appealing and on model and it was beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. I started really heavily referencing that stuff and like looking at our rig and thinking like, okay, can I scale? How far can I scale this before it? kills the fur right <laughs> or like blows the fur up or something because when james baxter does a take with pip he like squishes his whole body down his cheeks balloon up you know his shoulders go way up his ears flatten and stuff and it's all done over like maybe like three or four frames mm. and we're not doing anything like that in our stuff and so i was trying to do that you know looking at that 2d and, and so um 
that helped me learn that break the rig, break it a little bit if if it feels right. Where to push it and still be appealing, huh? Yeah, and if it's if it's done sort of on the in-between frames or on quick motion or um, to really sell a, a or, or to sell a certain motion or to hit kind of like a, a good dialogue beat, you get away with it. People buy it. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be this like super rigid um, three-dimensional character all the time. Now, I do think that the tech for rigs and what we're seeing now in rigs is amazing. Like mm. you, everyone's getting it now like stretchy rigs and stretchy arms. And I've even seen some rigs that, you know, allow for smear frames to easily be created in 3d <laughs> and like that stuff you would, you just would scale out your arms and stuff. Like on Pip, we would just scale out his arms and flatten them out. Or sometimes you would you bring in another model mm. and, and to get multiple arms or something to try yeah. and create those frames or that, that kind of feeling to something. And so I definitely, I definitely learned a, a ton about that and then i think that's kind of where i i got really interested in um well before i say that i would say uh i went i did a year in video games on madden just doing mocap and then i did f uh over four years in vfx and there's kind of this um i don't know if it, i don't know if i call it a stigma but it still seems like VFX is not the not as good as feature animation. Like, to, from what I can tell from animators in the animation industry, it's like, uh, oh, you do video games? Uh, oh, you do VFX? Uh, oh, you do feature? Oh, okay, now you're a real animator. <laughs> and I, I never felt like like that was the cool thing about Tippet too. You're right down the street from Pixar. And so I got to know a lot of the people at Pixar. Like we would play soccer together, or we would end up at mutual things with friends and stuff. And um, I was realizing that there are just as talented animators at Tippet as they are at Pixar. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not it's not an exclusive thing. Right. Um, but I still felt like I needed to check this box that I that I worked on features. It's like I still need to do that in order for me to feel comfortable, like, okay, I've done all these things. Right, right. Now I choose what I want to do and feel confident. Like I know I can, I can do the other ones, mm. you know? And, uh, luckily a couple of really good friends of mine that I went to school with, you know, the guys who got the offers, <laughs> you know, more right away, right, right out of school. Uh, you know, they hit me up, um, about working on cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Mm. And it's one of my faves. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't heard anything about it, but I was faced with the choice of working on Cats and Dogs 2 at Tippet, <laughs> which was another talking animal movie, or go work on Cloudy down in LA. And for me, you know, coming from, wait for this airplane to go over. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that or not. Coming from Florida, you know, LA was like, that was a big deal, right? Hollywood, that, that's where everyone is. Like, that's the that's the cool spot. Um, but then living in Berkeley for four years, LA is like where the scum of the earth was. Like, it's the worst place ever. You'd never want to go there. You know, everyone down there is full of themselves and stuff like that. And so I would go, you know, I go down and visit my friends that are down at Sony and they're working on Cloudy and they, they show me some stuff and they're trying to like get me convinced like I should come down and work on it. And I was like, LA's 
at least not bad. <laughs> yeah. It's actually pretty nice here. <laughs> you can actually like go to the beach as opposed to up in the Bay Area, like in San Francisco. You'd have to you have to wear like a parka and gloves <laughs> to go to the beach up there. And so I decided, you know what, I should I should take this opportunity. You know, go down there. It's like super zany stuff, like mm-hmm. crazy noodly arms and wacky characters, and and I really like the team that they had for for Cloudy. I was like, All right, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'll try this. I'll, I'll take this this leap. And so that's when I, I went down to work on Cloudy. And uh, Now, it seems to me like the stuff you learned from Enchanted, having watched some of James Baxter stuff, would fit in nicely now to transition into something like Cloudy with the Jensen Meatballs. Yeah, it, it definitely helped. But there was um, there was a whole nother level <laughs> of things on Cloudy that, you know, I, I thought I knew what I was doing. And then those guys showed me like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Isn't that amazing just, though when you see something, all of a sudden it, it like clicks. You're like, okay, I can get, I understand that now. Yeah. And the other thing that it, that it sort of showed me too is you, you might go to a movie, like a new animated movie that might come out. And even though I'm in the industry, right, I, I've been at the industry at that point for four or five years. I watch the movie and I go, oh, I know what they're doing. Oh, that's easy. Right. Like, oh, I see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I could do that. Right. And then you actually go to a place that's doing like that level of work Mm -hmm. and you realize you don't know anything. (laughs) You you don't know, you know, and and, and it's it's um, it's their uh, it's their approach to things, but it's also their tools and their rigs and just their pipeline and also the the sort of the team dynamics and the, and the personalities that you have to kind of learn to navigate and, and work with is totally, you know, it's different everywhere you go. It's, it's totally different. And I think that's what goes back to, I know, I know you're calling it a pity offer, but I think there is a lot of truth yeah. in what you're talking about though, because that character is very important when someone's looking to hire, you know, yeah. can they fit in to something like this? Cause it is dynamic with multiple artists and different fields and, uh, so yeah, I think that, I think there is something to that for sure. Absolutely, and it's and it's something that I didn't, I never actually realized it because I was never involved with with hiring until until I was at Turtle Rock just you know a few years ago. Like I, I was never you know when I was at Sony, they'd be like, oh, "New guys starting tomorrow." I didn't interview them. Why would I interview them? I was just. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh, well, that's that's LA for you. Here, let me shut the window real quick. Nice, very nice. Thank you. <laughs> you knew that. You knew that. I, you knew that was good. That's why we keep these podcasts casual, oh. man. It makes it a little more uh, entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, where where was I? I was... Uh, we're talking about character. You were talking about hiring. Um... Oh yeah. So much of uh, of of building a team and and who you decide to hire and 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 all of that is is about that person's personality and how they're going to fit in with the other people, but also how they're going to you know take take direction or feel like they're going to be able to kind of handle the feedback and the notes and. And, and kind of the pressures of whatever that project is. Yep. Uh, that's uh, a big deal. That's why so uh, in, at iAnimate, we kind of almost 
use this too because a lot of you guys are working at the studios to now kind of see how people work under pressure in regards to their assignments, how people respond to criticism and feedback. And so this, this arena kind of gives that opportunity to um, evaluate, so to speak, too, to see mm -hmm. how people do in that uh, environment. So, yeah, very important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. Like, like I said before, the, the way that you take feedback and direction and you're able to kind of sometimes remove your, yourself, your personal feelings from that and, and give the director what they want or, you know, give someone what they want from whatever you're animating. It's a tricky skill, but it's very, very important. So what were some of the biggest hurdles and things that you learned while on Cloudy? Um, maybe the biggest challenges and the biggest maybe ahas that you've kind of taken now with <clears> your career. Yeah. Uh, definitely this, the style of Cloudy was tricky because everything I'd done up to that point was whether it was mocap at EA or, or it needed to fit into a live action film. Mm. Th there were certain, if, if you broke it too much, people would call you on it, you know? So you, you couldn't, you couldn't push it that far. And, and so after years of doing it that way, um, it was, it was kind of hard to, to learn where to, where to break the character, kind of like where to break limbs, where to push it where to squash it even more, you know, where to hold a pose and be, be confident that like nothing is moving, <laughs> but it's okay. Uh -huh. you uh -huh. know? Um, and that stuff, that stuff took a while, but, but thankfully um, the, the leads on cloudy and the, the senior guys that were there are some of the best guys I've worked with. And they just, they had a ton of examples that I could, that I could see. And so I could kind of feel them out. But I, I just tried to um, I tried to approach every shot and everything I was doing like I want to go too far with it, right? If I go too far, then I can always pull it back. But if I take baby steps and kind of you know crawl, then then it just you know I'm never I'll never break it enough. I'll never push it far enough. So the style for one was definitely tricky. The other thing that blew my mind, uh, a tippet, the largest the animation team ever got was on Spiderwick Chronicles. And I think we were 18 or 20 people. Mm -hmm. And that was like a big deal. That was like, oh, wow, there's so many people here. It's so crowded. You know, <laughs> dailies are taking forever. Like all this stuff, right? <laughs> Cloudy, I, I think, was 73 wow. people. It was 70, 75 people. That's, that is a lot of people. And that takes... Uh, I mean, there are people that worked on that show as an animator that I probably don't even, I never met. Mm. And they were in the same building. And it, and it wasn't, I mean, we were just all, you know, we had our heads down. We were just cranking, you know, working. And we were having dailies were split up into two groups and stuff. And, you know, you're on this team with this person or you're working on this set of shots, you know, with this team. And it's just a machine cranking. And um, that was, that was crazy. Pros Not, and cons with that. Um, well, you could get a lot of footage done uh -huh. You get your movie done really quick. Um, but for you being in that environment for me, uh, I don't know. It was tricky because as an animator, um, you, you're just so focused on your shot, you know, or, or, or your sequence and w whatever is like going on in your little bubble at that time, which I kind of see maybe as a little bit of a negative. Um, 
I would say one thing that bummed me out is that there's some people that worked on that show and then left Sony after that, and I didn't really get to know them. Uh-huh. You know, and um, I remember their work, and I and I remember sort of like seeing them or maybe talking to them once in a while. But like, as I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. I wish we could have done like another show together. And, right. Yeah. You know, maybe had a you know a good friendship or something. Um. Uh, I can't. You know, outside of just getting it done, um, I can't really think of like a ton of pros. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of people looking at your work. If yeah. you can make if you can make seventy people in the theater laugh, it's a pretty good sign, right? That your shot's funny. <laughs> yeah. So that that was good, as opposed to like there's just four guys in there, right? and then <laughs> and then they kind of half chuckle, and you're like, oh, I don't think this is funny. <laughs> yeah, let's pull in some more people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I you know I have to hand it though to um, to uh, Chris Miller and uh, Phil Lord, they were the directors for Cloudy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've gone on to do Lego Movie and a couple of, you know, like 21 Jump Street and stuff. Those guys just made that whole production just a blast. Like, every minute of that production was fun. And th- they would often, their their most common note after watching your shot would be like, can you make that stupider? <laughs> Yeah. And you just be like, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can make that stupid. <laughs> and they just never took anything too seriously. And they always, uh, one of the, one of the things that I learned the most from them was they respected every single person on the crew and they were just incredibly humble about everything. That's cool. You know, and, and they, and they looked to everyone as experts and they would every single day they'd be like, well, we don't know what we're doing. So if you guys say that's the way to do it, that's how we're going to do it. You know, and that just taught me like the crew loved them and we all had a blast. And I think it shows mm. like, I think you watch that movie and you know, it's not a perfect movie. It's, it doesn't have perfect animation or perfect storytelling or anything, but it's just fun. It's, it's a, a good of, time. Yes. Yeah. And you know, that's, I, I think if you can tell people are having a good time while they're making mm-hmm. the thing, you can tell that while you're watching it or while you're playing it or, you know, whatever. And so I've taken that, I've, I've always tried to take that into whatever I'm working on or wherever I'm working. Um, because I feel like it's for, for us, for the, for the people who are on the production making the movie or making the game, it's not so much about the end product because by that point we'll be moving on to the next thing or, or we'll, we'll already be, you know, by the time that thing gets in the hands of the consumer, we're, we're already six months ahead of, you know, we're working on the next thing or the next game or the next movie or whatever it is. Um, for us working on the production, it's about actually doing the work. You know, it's, it's about who you're sitting next to, you know, and, and, and who's giving you feedback and, and what you're learning and how you're all kind of like on this journey together to you know, ultimately you're making a movie, but, but it's about that time, you know, and if you're, if you're having a good time and everyone's getting along and, and everyone's inspired and, you know, trying stuff. And, um, I think that's, that's what it's all about. Mm, very cool. And then, um, from cloudy, where to from there? After cloudy, it was, um, it was a little tricky at Sony navigating what was going on there. Uh, they they were starting to kind of talk about Vancouver stuff, mm. like kind of 
that that was kind of becoming a thing. Um, but once Cloudy wrapped, they didn't have didn't have any other movies in the pipe. And so, outside of some of the you know VFX stuff, I think they had like Alice in Wonderland, a couple other things going. Um, <laughs> so most of the most of the crew was let go. Um, so there's there's two things that I think that's pretty funny to talk about right now. Um, so I left Tippett to not work on Cats and Dogs Two. Mm-hmm. Well, Cats and Dogs Two is a pretty big show, and <laughs> so Tippett wasn't the only place that was going to work on it. So they they so Sony, you know, held on to on on to maybe like fifteen of the crew from Cloudy, the animators, and some of us went to work on other shows to keep us busy because there wasn't anything to do. Some people, you know, went on to Alice in Wonderland and did like a, a ton of really cool stuff. And uh, other people did some commercials or, you know, some tests for future movies and things like that. And uh, I, I went and worked for, I think about six or seven months on cats and dogs too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah. You got to your belt this one here. So, yeah. What's that? But you got a feature under your belt going that route. Exactly. So. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I, I didn't mind it at all. Um, it was doing something that I had never done before, which was face replacement. So Sony handled all the dogs and Tippett was doing a lot of the cats and like the main hairless cat they did that was all CG. So in a way, I got to work with all those guys again. <laughs> uh, but also like doing the, you know, working with like match moving to a dog or a cat or a you know, I think there was a couple other animals in there that we had to do. That was a whole nother set of challenges to, to kind of learn like, okay, we've all seen it. We've all seen the face replacement stuff on animals. Now, now it's my chance to do it and sort of be like, okay, why does it always kind of look crappy? <laughs> you know, like what can I do to, to see if like we can make this better? You know, like what, what can happen there? But did you have uh, to handle the match moving or was that no, set up and then you, just, was, you have to animate with that? Yeah, then? it was super slick. We basically would get a plate and then the match moved, you know, the dog head or whatever would be matched perfectly to it. Nice. And um, yeah, you would just animate the dialogue on top of that. It was a it was a really weird thing because the dog is moving like you're only animating the face. Mm hmm. And you're, you're trying your best to like put as much into the mouth and <laughs> nose and stuff in the, in the eyeballs that you can. Uh-huh. But it, it's, it's just, that was really tricky. So <laughs> I think we've probably hit the, you know, the limit to how good dog face replacement can look without just going with full CG dogs. And then that was the other part of the show that I got to do is that there were quite a few shots just with like full CG dogs that we'd, that we'd have to animate. And that was a lot of fun. That so, was pretty cool. So was Beverly Hills Chihuahua, that was complete CG? That was all that we did at Tippet. there was the rat and the iguana character. Those were fully CG okay. Compton characters. There was another house, um, that handled there was face replacement in okay. that movie as well, okay. but another house handled that. Okay, because um, that's what Tippett's really known for. It's just like their character work. They're they're fully realized characters, mm-hmm. and you know, put into a live action movie. Right. So then uh, another thing that's kind of funny uh, down the twisted road that has been my career so far <laughs> was after Cloudy wrapped, Sony did reverse recruiting. So what that is is. Um, they host other companies to come 
to the Sony campus and interview all the people that are going to be let go. Mm. And it's, it's kind of a common thing that happens uh, specifically down in LA um, because a lot of places will, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of show by show. So Sony might do a movie and then they're going to kind of, you know, downsize and let some of their crew right, go. Right. But then Disney's starting their movie. Right. So, you know, well, why don't, why can't the animators go work at Disney and then their movie will wrap and then we're going to pick them back up for the right, next right. Sony or, or DreamWorks does it or, you know, whatever it is or Rhythm and Hughes at the time. So they had all these companies come in uh, to do reverse recruiting. And I, I hadn't gotten an answer yet if my contract was going to be extended. So I was like, yeah, I want to take part in this, you know? So I sat down with like ILM and Disney and, you know, all the kind of big names and stuff that came in to interview everyone. And so that was good. You know, I met a lot of people kind of got my stuff in their hands just in case, you know, but some crazy foreshadowing was that I actually sat down with blizzard Mm. and it was for, it was, it was with the lead that is now, now my lead at blizzard for (laughs) the game I'm working on at blizzard, but only like six years before I actually started to work on it. Did so he remember you? Uh, we've, I don't think he remembers me from that mm. interview, but we have since interviewed again. Gotcha. Before doing my final interview that then led to me. That's crazy. So that, that was a, a super trip. And of course they couldn't tell me anything about the game. They couldn't tell me anything about anything. Um, but yeah, that was, that's, that's pretty funny to think back now like how all that stuff kind of connects yeah yeah but um but, but essentially then then what happened was sony you know they were like no 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 Don't, stop talking to these companies we're gonna extend your contract we want you to stay and then after um cats and dogs i went on to arthur christmas and i oh, did very cool. arthur christmas for a while and what was really nice about that show um was i was on the full pre-production mm. for that so i think we did about six to nine months of pre-pro mm-hmm. on that movie which what I learned a lot and what I really liked about that was that it was kind of a lot of character exploration mixed with the technical rig testing and kind of like trying to find a style and that kind of stuff. So that was a really good experience to be like, well, what if this character did this, but there's no, you know, there's, there's no consequences to it being wrong, right? Like this is the time to just get ideas out there real quick and dirty. Uh-huh. And, and just try stuff and then throw it out if it doesn't work. And um, so that was a really great experience. Yeah, it seems like you've got quite a broad realm of just bit here, games, VFX, like you said, pre-production, full feature, um, yeah. face replacement. I mean, you've hit the yeah. gamut here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then even uh, even in between there, I was doing um, I was doing some freelance. So this was like, I think I was in my mid to late 20s. And, you know, I wasn't attached and, and I was just kind of like working a lot and stuff. And I was kind of like, you know what, I wonder if I could get some freelance stuff. And then somehow I got hooked up with a, with a studio in Santa Monica that was doing a, uh, a Disney cruise line commercial. And they were like, Oh, we need a CG animator that can do Tinkerbell in three shots. And I was like, well, I can do that. (laughs) And so I got all the, Tinkerbell. And and so this was crazy because now I'm going home and I'm animating at home, Mm. you know, on on these commercials and, uh, you know, learning now I'm learning that side of things, right? Like how do I budget my own time Mm. 
communicate effectively with a, a freelance studio because the tricky thing is you have to kind of keep in touch with them and keep them in the loop because if too much time goes by and you haven't checked in mm-hmm. then they're, they're going to get worried because they got their own deadlines that's right, right. And, yeah and and you want to make sure that like you're riding that line between keeping in touch and being very communicative mm-hmm. but not being annoying <laughs> you know like that guy that needs like a lot of a lot of management or uh-huh. something. um so that was a great challenge and, and and that that studio was a ton of fun to work with um so it's kind of like juggling that while doing the sony stuff uh-huh. and then um when Arthur Christmas was kind of getting getting done, I picked up a couple Smurfs shots on the first Smurfs. But as that was kind of winding down, the the Vancouver thing was picking up a lot more. Like they were act- actively like, "Okay, your this your, sh- your show's over. Um, now it's time to go to Vancouver for the next show, or we're gonna let you go." Like that kind of stuff was happening, and I, wow. I just I was like, "I don't I don't know about this." But at that point, I kind of felt like, "Okay." I've checked all the boxes, right? You know, I, I haven't done something like, you know, animated on a on a super kick-ass Disney movie or a Pixar movie, but I'd like to think that, like, Cloudy is is pretty cool. Yeah, for And, sure. you know, it's going to stand the test of time as, like, you know, we tried something pretty crazy with that, and I learned a ton <laughs> the whole time I was at Sony. So I was like, I feel like, I feel pretty confident. I can check all my boxes off, and I'm like, you know, I've had enough experience. Now I can pick what do I want to do? Like, what is, what is the thing that really interests me? Mm-hmm. And so that's when, you know, I, I, I was like, well, games, I mean, every day I go home and play games every, every day, you know, I'm, I'm on the internet reading about games and I'm thinking about games. Oh, I, sh- I should go animate in games. So that's when you went with blizzard here. No, actually. So I, I tried. So I, I noticed that they were that Blizzard was hiring again for for animators for this unreleased game that they had cooking. Now this was maybe two years after I had talked to them the first time when they came for that reverse recruiting thing after Cloudy. So I talked with them, or I noticed that they're hiring again. So I apply, and I have some friends there. I have some friends that work there, and they were like, "Ah, we'll you know we'll get your stuff right in, get you talking to the right people and stuff." And so that happened. And then they were like, well, we really like your work, but we need you to do a test. We need you to do this, do this. I was like, no problem. I'll do it for you guys. I do the test. I send it in. I go down. They, you know, they have me down there for the day-long interview. And I meet with three or four different teams and cinematics. And I, it's just, it was nuts. And I, like, I was super nervous and I had no idea what I was saying all day. <laughs> I was just like, I hope I don't sound like a jerk. I hope I'm making sense, you know? And, uh, then I, you know, I finally, I heard back from them that they didn't, they didn't feel I had enough game experience, which I didn't, I had only done one year at EA at that point. And so they offered me like a temp cinematics position or something. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in that. You know, I'm looking for a full-time thing. So they were looking for specifically for in-game animation. Yeah. And, and that's what was interesting to me. I, I, that, that's what, uh, is interesting to me even today. Like, I feel like. Um, that's the next kind of step for animation. Like that's the next untapped kind of area where we can really start to take animation further Mm -hmm. is, is actually in game animation. Like cinematics are great and they're beautiful and they're all really well done, but that's, 
that's just that's film. It's the same pipeline. It's the same tech as film. Uh, what really what really gets me going is thinking about you know how can we push the in the animation that's actually happening within the the real time animation mm-hmm. of the video game. So uh, so they decided to pass on me for and and it's called Team Four. That's what that that game is called uh, internally. It's like each game is a is a is, is a team. So like WoW is Team One and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were like, well, you know, for Team Four, you're you know you don't have enough experience. So they passed on you. But here's this temp cinematic thing, and I was like, eh, I'm not I'm not really interested in that. You know, thanks. I'll keep looking. And then that's when I found Turtle Rock. And they're down there in, in Lake Forest. And what was really cool was I I sent my stuff in uh, on into their website. And like the next day, the owner of the company called me. Wow. And was like. Hey, really like your stuff. Let's chat. That's and awesome. And then he starts just telling me all about their game and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And, uh, and he's like, can you come down on Friday? And, and that was like Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can come down on Friday. Let's go. And uh, I go down on that Friday and they just pitch me the entire game. They show me everything. Wow. The art, all the stuff for Evolve. They just pitch me the whole entire game. <laughs> they tell me everything. They show me everything that they have. They even had it running. And... I was just blown away. I was like, this is awesome. And at that point, I think there were 20 people. Mm. And there was something that kind of hark I think it kind of harkened back to the same feeling I got at Tippet, where it's very, it's very family, like kind of a family feel, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, it's a business and you're just coming to work every day sort of thing. And I just really liked the vibe I got from the play center and then everyone that was there. And just the idea of the game, again, is like monsters and, you know, you guys fighting monsters. With, yeah, the monsters yeah. and games. Yeah, absolutely. And and also just like that's a that's a rare opportunity to have a huge impact on something. You know, when when I go to when I go to Sony and I work on Cloudy, it's like throwing a uh, it's like throwing a little tiny rock at the screen. And, and that's what I did, you know, that little <laughs> tiny speck. Uh, but but the opportunity to be like the 21st hire somewhere and you're there at the very early stages of the of the project and they don't even know what half of it's going to be yet, you know, and that's why they need you is to show them like what it's going to be. And so I jumped on that. I was like, yeah, let's do this. What like, was it, cool. if you know um... – from the owner's perspective that really just drew him to you? Uh, well, I'd like to think that, you know, the first thing would, would probably just be my reel and my experience. You know, I've, I've, uh, like you've pointed out, like I've kind of touched a lot of different things, uh, with a little bit of game in there and a little bit of feature and the effects and stuff. Um, but I did also have a lot of, a lot of creature work. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, even though the rats and iguanas and the chipmunks and dragons all kind of talked, they still needed to move like realistic creatures. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a, that was a big part of evolve was, you know, we, we wanted to make this believable world where, where these alien animals and creatures were, you know, like you'd believe that they were real, mm-hmm. that they actually were there. Like they're actually eating the grass that's on the ground or <laughs> sleeping under the trees. Like not just that, like, oh, this thing spawns here and then you kill it sort of thing. Uh, like we even had for a while, we had the the dreams of having like herds and even deeper than that, having like 
a mommy <laughs> armadon and a baby armadon and if you got too close it would protect it and like if you shot at it it would charge you and and like going that crazy wow. with uh -huh. stuff um so i think that they saw that i had that that experience that i could bring to it right, right. um but also i'd like to think that i was pretty I was pretty jazzed about it. I was <laughs> I was really excited about the project, and and I probably let let that out while I was there. I was geeking out about like, oh, this thing could move like this, or oh, I know, like a bear, or, you know, going on and on. So I think they saw my enthusiasm. Definitely, the guy can do it, and he's going to bring some input to the game here. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so I'm, as I'm looking at, I saw the trailer for some of the stuff for Evolve and some of the stuff on your reel. It would seem like you're again you're having to approach this very different than, like you said, maybe something from Cloudy to Chance Meatballs, where these are people you know, kind of how people work. You have evolved where these are creatures that don't exist. So, what is it that for creatures that you just really jazzed about? I think um, I'm a I'm a huge animal lover. I have two dogs and a cat, and I've always had too many pets. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I. I see, I, I, I sort of understand that connection you can make with an animal that maybe other people don't really get it sometimes too, you know? Um, one of my favorite things to do with animation is, is when you have to kind of create motion and you have to kind of invent it in a way. Mm. So, um, you know, and e even if it's something as simple as like uh, a robotic arm or, a, or gears turning or something where, you have to kind of find like what's interesting about the motion or, or what kind of tells the story. So having otherworldly alien creatures trying to figure out like what makes them tick, but also what their earthly counterparts might be. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my process was finding reference for creatures that would most closely relate to the evolved creatures. So I might find that, one creature moves like a bear. So I would, you know, I'd gather all this bear reference and I'd always start with their run or maybe like an idol that would try. I'm always trying to find the personality, but, but I want it to be believably, you know, whether it's really heavy or, you know, um, you know, threatening or if it's docile or whatever it is, I'm trying to find that personality and, and get it in there, even if it's a run or an attack or an idol or something. So, like, for Daisy, obviously, so she's the alien dog, hunting dog pet that goes with you. She, uh, to me, was most closely a dog in real life. So I used a lot of my own dog, who's a husky, for reference of howling and stuff like that. But then I just found, like, tons of YouTube videos of dogs doing cool stuff. <laughs> like, there's this dog that does parkour. And I think, I think, in, I think he's from Russia or something. It's like called Tret, T-R-E-T, uh, parkour dog. And it's amazing. He's a, he's a Stafford Terrier, like pit bull mix kind of guy. And sometimes he wears a harness and a backpack and he runs and he jumps off of walls and you'll see him like, like he scales like cliffs and everything. That's amazing. He'll, yeah. And, and so I, I referenced him a lot, but what's great is in, in all of those videos, he's having the time of his life. Like he's this happy dog who's running and jumping over railings <laughs> and doing all this stuff. And, and that still is like, that's the, that's the core of it, right? Like that's what I need to get in there. You know, 
selling the weight and the, the physicality of, of the dog creature kind of running and, and doing stuff, that's one part, but mm-hmm. she needs to look like she's like having a blast the whole time mm-hmm. and that you can connect with that part of it. Yeah. That's cool. What is your workflow or does your workflow change for creatures than it does maybe say humans? Yeah, I think it, it probably goes into two, two sort of camps. If I'm doing a shot and it's uh, for a movie and it's humans or even creatures, it's a lot more about finding sort of like what the core of that shot is. So I'll shoot reference or I'll find reference that really describes the really core of that specific moment or that shot in a game. If I'm doing like a run cycle, then it's, it's more about I'll gather reference, but it may not, it's, it's kind of more kind of all over the place, the reference that I find because I'm trying to, even though I'm only doing a run cycle, it's still that character's run cycle. Mm. So I kind of need to know and, about all the rest of him, even when I'm just doing that run cycle. Gotcha. Uh, but my workflow for, for creatures, it'll always start with reference. And typically I'll use the reference not to copy, but just to find the, the key poses or, or sort of like the moments that are, that are kind of telling me what, what I want to try to tell in my animation. Mm. So let, let's take a, a, like a walk. If I find reference of a dog walking and it and it looks like the dog is happy, then then I try to, you know, I look at the poses and I kind of look at what the dog's doing. But I'm also looking at it, trying to figure out, like, what is it about it that's telling me he's a happy dog? You know, because you can find dog walking that, you know, is emotionless or is tracking something or is, you know, I don't know, excited or, or hyper or something. But to find one that's happy, like, what is it? You know, and. Sometimes it may be, you know, cueing in on like, oh, his ears are flopping a certain way or the way his tail is kind of limp or his tongue is out or the way he keeps he's like kind of looking around, like not really (laughs) focusing on anything, you know, like he's just seeing the sights, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, So I always I use the reference sort of as a as a jumping off point to to find the core of that, the personality that I'm trying to get out Mm. of the creature. Very cool. And that makes sense, too, because it, I, I noticed, like, on your reel, um, you'll have to forgive me, but I don't know if it was the squirrel. Was that from the Enchanted one, or would that have been from that Charlotte's was Web? That was, okay. Yeah, that was Pip, yeah. Okay. So you, if you're going to have to do an action shot with him where he has to be happy, like you're using that example, you might pull that from a walk, but you're not going to be doing just necessarily a walk cycle with him. You're going to now have to pull that, whatever that magic was that was making him happy in the reference that you saw for the walk now into a, a shot that's completely different, but still now infuse it with that magic that was making him happy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, I can see where that you're having to look for that little spark of, like you said, what makes this a happy squirrel or a sad squirrel? Cause you, yeah. now you're going to have to apply it in a different way, but still get that same emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, that's probably the, you could argue that that's probably the core of most of the challenge of animation. Right. 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 It's, you know, we can make Pip move like a chipmunk or, or make a a character walk away from you or walk through a scene or something. But it's like, what is, what is it that we're trying to tell Mm -hmm. with that character as they move? Now you'll be teaching here at I animate here. I think the next term here, what is it for you that you're passionate about jumping into teaching now? I've always had, a goal of mine has always been to 
share everything that I've that I've kind of picked up mm-hmm. and what I've learned along the way. Not because I think I, I know best or I know everything, but it's just kind of like, well, what's the point of me learning all this stuff if I can't like help someone else, uh-huh. right? You know, so I'm really looking forward to that. And and you know, maybe there's maybe there's something that that someone's struggling with uh, that I can I I can be the be the one to be like, oh, this is how I do it. And then they're like, oh, that's it. <laughs> oh, that's what I you know that's it. That's what I've been struggling with. Um, that, you know, that really excites me. Um, but also there's, there's a weird, uh, there's a weird kind of selfish angle to it in that I get to actually really dissect my workflow Mm -hmm. and like my approach to stuff, Mm -hmm. which is weird (laughs) because, because so much, you know, during just professional, like daily life of like, you get a shot or you get an asset you have to make or something, you just like, you almost don't think about it. You're just like, okay, I have to do this thing, right, right. and you just go. And it, and and after so many years of doing it, you kind of, you just don't think about it, and, and you don't, you know, really pick it apart. And so now, you know, twelve years into it, there's something kind of really exciting to sit down and 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 go through it and be like, mm-hmm. well, this is how I would do it. I don't know why, but this is how I do it. Uh-huh. You know, and that that's really exciting. Yeah, I think the aha being able to have someone get past a hurdle or it just click, I think that's yeah, that's gotta be one of the most rewarding things to to go, huh, okay, I was able to help someone else out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm 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 really excited too about how one on one it's gonna be. Like yep. everything's live. Everything's live. So yeah. so if I'm if I'm doing something and someone's got a question or or I do something and they don't get it, or maybe they have another way that they do it. And we can just stop and we can just talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not going to be just me blabbing on recorded and then you just have to sit and listen to it. You know, we can actually just stop and have a conversation and be like, oh, you mean like this and I can try it or, you know, we can talk about it. And so that's that's really exciting, too. Yeah. How I know animation is animation. There's the principles of animation. But how different is the creature animation versus maybe uh, feature or some of the other like we talked about human characters? Is there is there a learning curve that you you feel like I'm going to be able to bring into a specific creature type animation workshops here? The the one good thing is that I think we can kind of we can turn off our brains to 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 some stuff. You know, like we don't have to worry about. Uh, lip sync mm-hmm. or you know human facial acting and that kind of stuff like we don't have to we can kind of turn that off and we can focus more on what would an animal do in this situation or what can this creature do that's unique to itself mm. um, I'll sort of encourage people to shoot reference or find reference for things but if you're doing a a 30 foot tall four-armed creature you know <laughs> I don't know, taking a tree and like breaking a house with it or something. There's, there's only so much reference, yep. you know, that can get you there or like a, maybe it's a six legged creature that's running or fighting or something. There's so much that you have to kind of create and invent there mm-hmm. that, um, that I think is a really unique and fun challenge to mm-hmm. creatures. There's not always a direct thing that you can reference. Like you have to kind of just trust your, your sort of creativity to make it, look believable right right cool, so right no that's that's a great answer i guess what i was kind of thinking is some some might think okay well i've been in animation here why would i jump into the creature specific workshops and that makes a lot of sense there where you're going 
and I hate using this term because it sounds like a pun, but it's a different creature. You know, it's a, yeah. that's, it's a different area for animation here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always, whenever I watch a movie or, um, you know, I'm watching a, a short online or I'm in a game or something and I, and I, I'm always looking for animation that there is no dialogue. I think about characters like, like Scrat from Ice Age, mm-hmm. you know, he, he makes some noises and stuff, but people are cracking up (laughs) and they're loving what's happening to him. And it's all because of the animation, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you know, that that's oversimplification, right? Because it's, you know, it's the sounds, it's the, it's the tech, it's the lighting and all that stuff around it. But like, it's just the way he's moving and and the way he's not moving that people are reacting and responding to that. Right. Um, You know, and I think about a character more recent would be like, um, like Baymax, Mm, yeah, you know, just his super limited movement. Uh-huh. Like that was choice. <laughs> you know, that, that was a choice they made, and you love him because of it, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, and so I think with creature animation, it's kind of finding uh, with without using the dialogue, without using the kind of known tricks that that we've picked up b- between human human interaction, mm-hmm. and you have to really kind of dive in and be like, well. What would make someone think that this dog is sad mm-hmm. or this dog is happy or scared or, you know, on guard or something? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as easy as the dog going like, I'm scared, <laughs> yeah. you know, but you have to show it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, I'm really excited for you to be here at iAnimate Teaching and I've, this has been a great podcast. I really appreciate your insight and uh, really going to appreciate your time. Great. Thank you very much. It's been a blast. Yeah.